Welcome to the great conversation where ideas matter. Ideas shape markets. Ideas can change the world. Most of you are listening to this after I have been to a protective intelligence summit. I'm actually preparing uh, for that summit in many different ways. And one of them is having conversations with the, uh, the I call it the operators of the business outside security, HR people, legal people, um, and even in certain cases, uh, marketing and salespeople, and, and really trying to understand risk and opportunity from each of those operating disciplines. And uh, I'm going to be on a panel where I'm going to have a number of CLOs sitting on the panel. And the CLOs are going to be talking about uh, what it means to, in this new security landscape, what it means for the CLO to work with not only the operators, but security in maybe a different kind of paradigm that would lend us to more success. And uh, the host of the Protective Intelligence Summit is Antic. And I go, well, do they have a CLO? And sure enough, they did. His name's Scott Shepard, and he's on with us today on The Great Conversation. Scott, welcome. Thank you, Ron. Appreciate it. I also, uh, as you know, I'm a, a geek, so I end up, of course, studying Scott Shepard before he comes on, before he comes on the podcast. I do that with each one of you, and thank you for allowing me to stalk each of you and stalk the information about you. And Scott's Scott's background is pretty unique. This this guy's Scott. You've been a startup guy. You've been a big co guy. You've been a startup guy. Uh, and boy, I dug into this. You. You have even been an operations guy at Anheuser-Busch. I have had probably four or five restarts of my career, for sure. But from the Marine Corps paying for college, you know, working at Budweiser as a St. Louis kid, and then grad school in the AG's office, and then I'd finally go to law school at like 36 years old or something like that. Well, did you catch that, everyone? He was a lieutenant colonel in the Marines. And uh, and became part of the office of the of the governor of Texas, right? Yeah. So when I so I got out of active duty as a first lieutenant and then a captain, and then I did the reserve stuff for a number of years, and that's how I got to lieutenant colonel. It's not like I made lieutenant colonel on active duty because that's a lot harder to do than the, in the reserves. I'm not taking anything away from that. So you've kind of come full circle because now you're starting to work with ex agency guys, military, law enforcement guys in trying to solve this dilemma of ours, and that is with an expansive risk picture now, globally, environmentally, social, politically, you know, the spectrum is just broad. The bandwidth is expansive. Uh, you get to be part of a team that's trying to get left to bang. It, it's super exciting. Um, you know, when, I'm, when I've negotiated contracts with our prospects as they become clients, um, the buyer is always on the call. And, um, you know, during the pandemic, everyone was working from home. And for a long time behind me was my Marine Corps officer sword, just coincidentally. And I, I, I'd venture to guess probably five or 10% of the time, the, the, the buyer would look at it and like, what is that sword in the background? I'm like, well, you know, it's the Marine Corps thing. And he's like, and the guy's like, oh, yeah, I was in from, you know, 92 to 96 or like it's it's great to run back into those guys. It's great to work with our buyers because, you know, they really do have a focus on keeping people safe and, and how to best do it. Well, even though this is going to be published, 
post the summit, again, I'm sitting on this panel with CLOs talking about how they, what they need to do to raise their game to the next level uh, to help their companies become uh, more safe, more secure, and to merge these two interesting concepts, risk and opportunity to achieve valuable outcomes for their businesses, right? And, um, and you wrote that paper with Fred Burton, uh, who, of course, comes from years of doing this with, uh, you know, with, with little, little uh, uh, sticky notes, and, and now he gets to live in the technology game, right? right. So, Scott, as you know, I'm going to be on this panel with CLOs. Right. And I'm really interested in what the best questions would be that would help the audience understand how they see risk and opportunity and what they would need from physical and cybersecurity professionals to help them do their job in helping the company be all it can be, navigating risk and opportunity. Right. Um, you know, I, I think part of it is getting the company bought into the notion that, you know, everybody has a role to play in managing risk and identifying risk and keeping the company safe, whether it's cyber or physical security. Um, you know, it was interesting that Association of Corporate Counsel put out this annual survey that I just was thinking about um, a minute ago. And they, the survey for 2022 of chief legal officers for companies 3 billion and more, um, they have information security reporting to them and physical security reporting to them at 12 and 14%. So, you know, one in six, one in seven, I try not to do math in public, but you know, a decent number of the CLOs out there at the really big companies have the information security and have the physical security teams actually rolling up under them. And so like getting all of their, you know, all their folks to understand that, you know, they all play a role and it has to be a daily part of what you do. I think that'd be the first thing is like, how, do, how do you do that? How do you make sure that everybody's on board? Yeah. And today, if you were just speaking to your peers, your CLO peers, um, knowing full well, at least I do know full well that, um, most security executives don't um, don't have that kind of relationship with their CLOs. You know, you said only twelve to fourteen percent. So, how do you reach across the aisle to truly seek to understand their role and how to make them more efficient in what they do? What you know, what what would be your advice? I mean, my advice is go talk to them, go find out what they do on a daily basis, go, you know, you got to have some empathy to be a good general counsel, you have to understand why people do what they do and, and how they got where they are and what their concerns are. And if you take some time to, you know, walk down to the guard shack and talk to the guy and see what his job is like, talk to the guy at the front desk, and then you will have a better feeling for what the what the leader of those folks, the chief security guy like what his job is and what it entails. And once you've got that sort of background, then you have a better feel for how to, what their concerns are and what their, you know, what's top of mind for them. I, I think that's excellent advice. I think I'd add one more to it. I, I'd say before you go visit Scott Shepard, try to find, try to read what he reads. So in this context, if you were calling on uh, Scott after this podcast, you might want to read that Association of 
corporate council 2022 survey because he's reading it and he's 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 understanding his role a lot better because of it yeah for sure you know they do they do a survey every year and they produce it every year and it's you know it's a good organization they do good work and they get you know I think this year's survey, they had somewhere in the order of 800 responses. I might be making that up, but they had a lot. Um, and, and to, you know, and to that, to that end, like everything from less than $100 million in revenue to $3 billion or more. So like it runs the gamut and it's, it's a pretty good source of information. That's excellent. Well, I'm definitely going to turn to it after this call. And I'll probably put a link to it in uh, the blog I I write about our conversation today. So thank you for that. Um, You also published an article with Fred Burton, um, who is kind of a senior thought leader around this whole threat intelligence life cycle. Um, And you you and Fred made a series of recommendations, uh, which I think is going to come up in this panel discussion at the summit as well. Can we go through those together so I seek to understand? Absolutely. I think one of the first things you said, it was, it dawned on me, is this is really a call for physical security to get to the first two things you mentioned in the article to me was a call to get your act together, make sure you're collecting the right information at the right time. You have a core process that you have for collecting that information and managing to it so that I can use that data later as an audit trail or for forensics. That's what I read in your first two uh, uh, scenarios. Yeah, I, I think you want to understand what sort of data is coming into the company, into the business, and how it's being used. And you want to have some ability to go back and see who's accessing it and how often, because if there is an issue or when there is an issue, you want that that audit trail to go to be able to be something you can look to. And also the forensic guys are going to come in. And they're going to want to see it as well. And so, you know, knowing what you have is critical and knowing where it lives is, is, you know, super critical too. And this is what's so cool. The second one was have a core process. And everyone who knows me on The Great Conversation, I'm always talking about people perform roles in a process using tools to achieve outcomes. And you're saying be smart and embed compliance real time in your core processes. It's building a muscle, right? Like if you don't, if you don't make this a daily exercise, a daily thing that you do, then the likelihood that you forget about it, it becomes something that's just secondary or, you know, on a shelf somewhere and you never think about it again until it's too late. Um, If that's what's happened, you're going to be in trouble when something bad does happen. If you make it a muscle that you exercise regularly, routinely, it's strong and it's there and you can rely on it when something happens. That's right. And this isn't book learning. This isn't, you know, just getting in a classroom. You want to see them pressure tested, actually go through the scenario building so that when something comes up, it's a natural muscle memory response. Well, yeah, I mean, we all know the, you know, the saying, everyone's got a plan until the bullets start flying, right? Or, you know, Mike Tyson said, everyone's got a great plan until you get punched in the nose. Unless you've tested it, you don't know how it's going to work. You don't see where the flaws are, where the holes are, and how you're going to respond to those things. Um, so tabletop is, I mean, it's what we did in the Marine Corps all the time. Like you run the tabletop to see how it works and you fix the things before something, something has happened. So again, these should point out that in this pressure testing, in this tabletop, 
not just security people. There's HR, there's legal, right? You have all the players at the table, an embedded process, collecting the right data at the right time, and how we're going to act on that data and, and make it as efficient as possible, because quite frankly, security is measured in seconds, right? Right. Yeah. And so to your point, everybody who's going to play a role has to be there because they, if they're not, they will be the weak link when something happens. Um, and if you if you routinely test it, and it doesn't need to be, you know, a three day or four day event, it can be a, you know, here's what we're doing today and it'll take, you know, a couple hours. But if it's top of mind and if it's something that's exercised regularly, just like the idea of compliance, right? It, it's a muscle that you build and you have to maintain it and then you're more likely to be successful. And you can measure it and improve it over time by doing that too. That's, that's sure. pretty cool. So you've got it as, uh, we've gone through four of the steps mentioned in your paper, which is as relevant as it was a year ago. Uh, and the fifth one is insurance. Tell me about that. You know, everybody should, I'm, I would imagine does, have a insurance that's appropriate for whatever company type, whatever their company does. Um, and the policies are, you know, 70, 80, 150 pages long, and they're all written by insurance companies. But I think it's super important to, you know, take the policy out and put it on your desk and read it and understand it because all of the different appendices or, you know, addendums go back and forth. And so you've got to understand how it was written and what it covers. And you really want to read it from the perspective of the company, the insurance company, because you can just about be certain that they will be less inclined to try to, uh, you know, to try to insure a claim um, and look for holes and look for ways to deny a claim because it's, it's how insurance companies are profitable. Like, you know, it's not that they're always going to deny claims, but unless you've read your policy and thoroughly understand it from their perspective, um, you know, that'd be, that'd be something you'd want to do. Well, this is interesting. Okay. So again, we're talking CSO and their team, CISOs and their team, walking down the door to the corner office where you are, Scott. And I would imagine you tell me that this is serious advisory because it's hard for you to read that policy and uh, if you haven't been given a holistic risk picture from the students of risk, which are the CISO and uh, the CSO, who have broken down the operational uh, processes and value propositions of their executive counterparts. If that hasn't been done, you're going to have a more difficult time right, reading that insurance. You have a difficult time reading the policy and understanding what's covered, and more importantly, the the things that are covered might not be the things that were identified by the security guys and the the CISOs as being the most likely risks. That's right. Um, which would then leave you with a policy that's nice to have, but not super um, you know effective in the long run. Yeah. And then the sixth one. Oh boy, we you and I don't want to be uh, taxi consultants to the taxi industry and have Uber coming down the line. Technology is our friend, but it could be our foe if we miss it. Tell me about how tech how technology fits into this picture. You you know you want to make sure that you understand what technology is available, and you want to understand where the money is being invested by the, the venture capital guys, and to see kind of be able to see as far ahead as you can, and be able to understand what sorts of technologies are coming down the road, 
in the event that you know there's something newer and better or there's something that's really competing with what you've got um, but you want to be as you know focused far ahead as you can so that you can better anticipate what sorts of technologies are coming in either that are disruptive to your business or that are things that you could use and you know use as part of your business yeah and it almost seems to me since we started with core processes and data aggregation let's just wake up for a second and that is it is not possible to do your job effectively and provide value back to the c-level team without a technology driven approach to this business in this day and age well yeah i mean technology plays a role in every single thing that we do the computer on right now you know my phone sit right next to me it is it is omnipresent and if you're you know if you're not tech proficient you need to find someone who is because you have to be to be successful today that's right do you see the day by the way if we do have it as a team sport we have a collaborative process we're testing it pressure testing it over and over again do you see a day where hr legal physical security cybersecurity, supply chain they're be they've got it so embedded that they're sharing budget on bringing the right technology in that will help them be the most effective do you see that going on you know i i hope I think that part of the problem is budgets are tied everywhere and people are all, you know, every department, every team is, is stretched. And to decide who's paying for the insurance policy or who's paying for the new technology that you can use to monitor threats or manage risks better um, is unless the CEO directs from on high and says, this is what we're going to do. Um, I think you're still going to get some of the infighting, but I think that it, with the proper, you know, direction from above, and if the C team is bought in, then it should, I mean, then it's, it's a no-brainer from my perspective, yes. If you're sitting in the audience during our summit in a couple of weeks, what questions would you like me to ask of your peers, your CLO peers, with a mind to that 75% of the audience are CSOs and CISOs in their teams? I'd like to understand how they how they view their relationship to the CSOs and CISOs, and if they what role they play in risk monitoring um, from a threat perspective. Like how granular do they get, and at what level does something become of interest to them? Um, is it just a threat made to the CEO, or is it when they find someone on the campus who's done something that's threatening? Like. When do they when do things rise to their level that that they get involved with? I think I'll also ask them the um, about these six things you and Fred advise to see if they've constructed those in their own companies yeah. or, or they know their peers who have done those. Well, and, you know, table topping is a thing that is a is a great idea and it's been around for literally thousands of years. But it also takes time away from the business and it can be seen as a distraction if you if you don't have buy-in from, from the leadership. And so like you get you gotta do it, but you've got to be able to be a good salesman to get it accepted and, and part of the part of the uh, culture of the company. This has been a great conversation with Scott Shepard, uh, CLO of Ontic and uh, 
we're going to have some fun in a couple of weeks, my friend. I can't wait. We're excited.